The Toronto Blue Jays have made some major moves at this trade deadline, but was it enough to send them over the edge and into the World Series? Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 122 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell. That's Riley McConnell. And today on our episode, we've got to go over the trade deadline that the Toronto Blue Jays just went through. Them and the St. Louis Cardinals made a lot of deals this week, and we will go through all of them here What are we getting for this team? How does it improve this team? And did the Blue Jays do enough ultimately to push themselves over the edge? Plus, we got to talk about Hunjin Ryu being back and some more major things in this series against Baltimore. But first, Riley, what's up, my man? How are you feeling after the deadline today? I feel pretty good. Honestly, I like, hey, a lot of a lot better could have happened. But I'm I feel I feel good about the moves that we did make. Let's put it that way. Yes. We're all thinking, you know, the big splash. Oh, we want to push for the playoffs. You know, where's that big bopper bat? There was, you know, allegations going around, Teo returning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we ended up making three deals in a short period of time with one ball club, and that was the cards. They were having an absolute fire sale in St. Louis. We ended up, obviously, with Genesis Cabrera, um, who in his short time for the Blue Jays has done quite well. Um, also going after a guy... Jordan Hicks, who I really like, a guy who can throw triple digits, and his usage is probably going to be very important and in the clutch over these next couple weeks, I would have to think. And then the next guy, Paul DeYoung, uh, another infielder, plays good, steady defense. There's some sneaky power there. I still don't really know how I feel about his bad again Mm -hmm. i can't comment on it a ton i'm a guy who doesn't spend a lot of time watching nl central ball games but i still feel good about what we made honestly yes we didn't have a starting pitcher hey i said jesse that we should go after a guy like jack flaherty and well what do you know he ends up on the rival baltimore Baltimore. orioles who will actually see him pitch tomorrow against the and and i guess we'll know then because i had this guy and if he goes out there jesse and throws six innings and walks one batter then i'm not gonna say i told you so or anything man but i have high (laughs) hopes for this guy i think jack flaherty's a, a tremendous arm i really think we missed out on him i think I think we missed out on a couple guys, but at the end of the day, guy we didn't miss out on was certainly Jordan Hicks. Um, I think he's going to be a real impact piece for us down the stretch, and I really think we're going to use him in clutch situations, and I think he's going to come up big for us in big moments. Yeah, we talked a lot about Aaron Hicks, on, or not Aaron Hicks, uh, Jordan Hicks on our last episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back ahead and listen to that. Riley and I gave our details. What is the plan for Hicks going forward? What to expect from the guy and all the stuff we gave away there. But we have yet to talk about the move they actually made on deadline day. And let's talk about the move they did acquire. And that is getting shortstop Paul DeYoung from the St. Louis Cardinals, Riley. And this kind of goes hand in hand with something we'll touch on a little bit later in the episode. But Bo Bichette did leave Monday's game. He rounded first base after hitting a double. He did. It looked like he popped his knee. He did the sudden stop in between first and second. And it did look quite bad. And I don't think it's an accident. The Blue Jays went and acquired a shortstop the next day. The good with with, uh, Paul DeYoung here, Riley, is we are getting elite defense. He is 92nd percentile and outs above average. He has been very good and a good part of a core St. Louis uh, good defensive middle infield for quite a while you talk about the bat a little bit Riley and that's where it gets iffy but the thing I like about him here is that he does have a little bit of pop he can run into it a little bit the Jays need we kind of thought it would be in the outfield about getting a right-handed bat who can hit lefties well and even though Paul DeYoung is an infielder he has hit lefties well this year 
So, I mean, it's a sign that he can come in, maybe be that. But to me, Riley, when I see Paul DeYoung, if the team is healthy, I think he's a Santiago Espinal replacement because what does Espinal do better, I guess, than Paul DeYoung does on this roster? I don't think there's much. I think DeYoung's a better hitter. DeYoung's a better fielder. Maybe Espinal can just play third base, and maybe that's the thing. But that's where I think uh, Paul DeYoung's role is going to be on this team. Well, absolutely. And I mean, Paul DeYoung, you know, free, like going through free agency and whatever that uh, Espinal still with some uh, team control. So at the at, at this point in the season, Jesse, if we're will, willing to keep the cash, keep him on the books, does it pay pays out the window? You got to go with the, the better guys and hope that yeah. um, our our butts are in the seat and we're, um, you know, helping pay for the, the Blue Jays payroll. And I don't think DeYoung's breaking the bank or anything like that. Of course not. Um, so let's let's look at the, the middle infield we have right now and say that uh, Whit Merrifield, you know, he's seen some time and left. <clears throat> he's seen some time on second. Uh, he's a guy that 100% has to be in this lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, who's the secondary pieces in that um, we saw Biggio and Wright. I still favor Espinal over Biggio at some points. Um, uh, but uh, for the most part, man, I think, you know, we'll probably see DeYoung's usage at short. Jesse, if you want to uh, like get into it, like if Bo, if hey, whatever happened with Bo and the x-rays and whatever, I mean, it looked worse than what it actually is. And that's a scary part because we're all thinking, you know, is this, did, is this a tear? Is this, what is this? So, I mean, it's a it's good to have that sort of insurance because I would not mind. Yes, if they say Bo's good to go, that's great. But I'm not buying it 100%. I want him to stay healthy and not push it. And you know, if 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 Paul DeYoung has to, you know, play, you know, full time for a week for the Blue Jays in order for that to happen and give Bo a pinch hit appearance, maybe a DH spot, and then start a game at short and see how he feels, whatever that may be, then we made a good move because we're trying to protect a star player here. And I think that's very important. We know what Bo Bichette can do for this ball club. And like to me, he's our most valuable position player at this moment. And we can't afford to lose him for an extended period of time. It's just It just will not fly with trying to clinch a spot for the postseason. We need Bo and we need Bo healthy. Yeah, let's talk more about that Bo Bichette injury right now because look, Paul DeYoung, even if he can get hot for a good three-week stretch here, he's not Bo Bichette. He's, no one on this team is going to replace Bo Bichette. Um, the injury looked terrible when we first saw it there, like we mentioned, but uh, you know, an MRI did reveal some level of structural damage and he did get placed on the 10-day IL today, so he is going to miss a minimal amount of time. John Schneider did say today that he is going to remain on the bench and he's going to be with the team. That way they can monitor him daily. My gut feeling with this, Riley, is that this is something he's going to just take a minimal of time now. He'll probably play down the stretch, and he might be looking at getting surgery into the offseason here. Um, There were some interesting quotes that's kind of a little off topic that came out from some Blue Jays players after this happened. Uh, One of them from Chris Bassett, especially when he was asked about the Boba Shed injury. He said something along the lines of like, you know, He's our best player. We really want to make sure he's good. He's on the field right now. Um, and there were other guys. Matt Chapman echoed something similar about, you know, Bobachet being our best player. And then my thought of listening to these quotes is like, isn't Vladimir Guerrero Jr. supposed to be our best player? Right? Like, I think we know that Bobachet is having a better year this far, but I thought that was odd that even the guys in the locker room were like, no, Bobachet's the guy. Like, he's the one who uh, really keeps this team going. I just 
little off topic from the injury, but I thought that was interesting. When was his last air? I think you wrote that somewhere. Uh, it was in June, was it not? June 24th against Oakland. So he played uh, air airless month of July. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you want to say that the all-star break takes away games or whatever, still, that's what it is. Um, I hate it for a lot of reasons. Uh, yeah, and Jesse, absolutely, there's guys who are supposed to be the best bats and whatever else, but I'm just looking at performance now, and Bull Bichette is a hit machine. I mean, before he got pulled, he was two for two in that yep. ball, ball game. Like, he just... He w- probably would have had a double or whatever. He got tagged between first and second. At that point, it doesn't matter. You're more worried about what's the deal with Bo Bichette. Personally, not that I gamble. I never do, Jesse. I'm not as gutsy as you are. Um, but I <laughs> definitely an interesting word choice there. <laughs> I definitely had Bo pin for 200 hits. I made that known this injury time. I don't know if he's going to get that milestone, which sucks. I love that accolade and hell man, he deserves it. And I hate to see him get injured. It's, you know, for the individual that he is, he deserves it. And for the team, you know, I really hope the rest of the team picks him up. If this team was filled with Bo Bichette's, we would have we probably would have just suffered our 28th loss of the season because that's how good this kid is mm-hmm. and we absolutely need him to be healthy take the rest you need take your time on the IL come back a just as good of a ball player as you left all right, Riley, let's backtrack a little bit. Got off on a Bobichet tangent, but it is very important. So we did have to make sure we mentioned that there. But I wanted to go back to the trade deadline and talk some more about uh, what happened here, what the Blue Jays did. And now I want to talk about the players that the Blue Jays gave away. We've talked to the three about Jordan Hicks, Genesis Cabrera, and Paul DeYoung. We ended up giving up some prospects here. Semra Bears, Adam Kloffenstein, both those guys we talked about in our last episode with the Jordan Hicks thing. I think we both mentioned, hey, they're good, talented guys. They're good pitching depth, but none of them have really high upside. You know, we'll take it to get our hard-throwing setup man any day of the week. And the other guys' names are Matt Svansson and Sammy Hernandez. Both are very young players, um, still a ways away. I think uh, the Cardinals put Svansson in double-A right away, and Sammy Hernandez was just drafted last year. So out of these four guys we gave away, Riley, are we going to regret this in the future? I, I hate these kind of questions, Jesse, because it is you so, never know, right? <laughs> it is so tough. These these guys are by no means household names. We didn't just trade away a Drew Jones or a Dylan Cruz, a player like that, a blue chip. I mean, sometimes these kind of players develop and sometimes they don't. For me, the player I know most is uh Adam Kloffenstein. And yeah. I mean he Injury kind of hindered him. If if anything, he is, you know, slowed down in his progression to the major leagues. Do I think he will make it? I think he has a shot. I don't think he – I think he's a guy that maybe is your fourth or fifth guy in a rotation. But I, I for what he's doing now, I still think he's a ways away. He's going to be, if anything, a piece – could come in as a long relief guy to a good ball club. You never know. Of course, you like, you know, we didn't lose the trade right now. We got two really good arms and we got what we, Jesse, 
We need Paul DeYoung right now. That's we honestly do. what we do, we do need. Yep. I know, I mean, yes, we wanted the bat, but we we do need someone. We basically just bought a rental piece to replace our best player. We're trying not to let the wheels fall off here. You know, we slap a Band-Aid on it. How far down the road can we get? You know, we don't want the wheels to fall off. We don't want to drop. Uh, like, you know, we're sitting here where you haven't talked about the games yet, but we don't want to drop this series. We would like to split it. And then another divisional series, we would like to win that series. Like, we want to pick up wins here. Yeah. Now's not the time to be dropping ball games. I mean, we're just looking for a replacement guy to replace Bo Bichette. And hopefully, man, I mean, take it off Bo's shoulders because there's eight other guys in the lineup that should be able to, to produce some runs and it's alarming that we haven't had that um but we've had a couple guys do it but we just we need we need to pick up the slack in other areas it's not all on bow yep no it's true it's just it's that's the thing it's going to be a next man up mentality and we'll see how that goes riley um some more followed from the trade deadline here is trent thornton mitch white and uh, jordan luplo we're all dfa'd so all designated for assignment either going to be outright to the minors or we're gonna have to release them or find a trade partner for those three players um which means our outfield depth now is even smaller than it was i think whit merrifield now becomes between him and dalton varsho become your left fielders and then you have kiermeyer and springer you are now missing another man and we did not add another outfielder into our roster here so we are now what cavin Vigio's next on this list like my question here now is like what comes next for the toronto blue jays like are they going to call up a guy like Ernie Clement, Davis Schneider, or something like that to fill the spots? Addison Barger, maybe? Or are they going to look for like the DFA market? Like I know Trey Mancini was just DFA'd by the Cubs. Um, the Blue Jays had been linked to Nelson Cruz, who somehow still doesn't have a team. Like, what are the Blue Jays going to do next? Are they going to be in that little buyout market? Or is it going to be wait for the young guys or just ride with Biggio and Espinal and hope one of them can pick it up? I I honestly think so. If you think that we start with an outfield that looks like Varsho and left, Springer right, and Kiermeyer up the middle playing center, you would think in hope uh, that one of the replacements, we got two corner outfielders, we got two guys that can play the corners, wit and left, Biggio on right. And between Varsho, Springer, and Kevin Kiermeyer, one of those guys can play center field at all times. Yep. So I think what John Schneider and management um are thinking now is that okay we basically are playing with uh, if we got our top guys out there we have three guys to play center field if we need just if we need to replace one of those guys whether it's for rest or whatever i think i think calvin moves to right i think whip moves to left and if whip moves moves to left biggio or espinal get the start at second base mm -hmm. like there's a, that's this is my kind of move I like the utility player, the true utility guy, you know, maybe not a center fielder, but corner outfield in the bags. That's for me, a true utility guy. Um, you know, third base, second, left and right. And I don't think we have a guy, if yeah, anything, like the super B utility guy. We don't know. Biggio can probably do it. He's had definitely had innings in each of those four positions. I don't think Witt has. And I don't think Espinal has seen any outfield time. But either way, we have a lot of aggregate to pull from on our bench, Jesse. And I think we actually have more on other teams with that. Because I really do not mind what out in left field. Of course, you prefer him at second base. But I think that's I think we run with the guys we have, man. 
And I think like, I I honestly, I, and I don't think it's a bad recipe. I think we should be okay. We just need, we just need to produce, man. We just need to produce from the guys that should. Yeah. If we're going to run with these guys, then, then these guys need to be better. Biggio needs to be better. Espinal has been hot garbage this year. He needs to be better. We're going to get into it a little later, but George Springer needs to be better. And Dalton Varsho needs to be better. You can add Matt Chapman to that list as well. Like if the Blue Jays are going to reach their goal here, these guys simply just need to start playing better. Uh, My prediction on this Riley is I think they might try to do what you just said for the next, maybe two weeks, three weeks or so. And I think when we get to the last week of August, that's when we're going to see like Davis Schneider come up. That's when we're going to see Addison Barger come up if they are still looking for a punch, because what this will mean is they can play out the rest of the regular season in Toronto, but still regain rookie eligibility for next year. So next year, when say maybe Matt Chapman leaves as a free agent or something, or, you know, something else happens, these guys are still rookie eligible and can play here and have a chance to win rookie of the year. And if they win rookie of the year, the Blue Jays get an extra draft pick and the Blue Jays have always been a smart business team. So that is my assumption of what's going to happen. So we'll wait until the last week of August to see what happens here. Um, Riley, oh, any thoughts on that quick? Oh, yeah, just real quick. And who was our last rookie of the year? Uh, Eric Hinsky, 2006. Thank Four, you very much. 2002, Jesse, 2002. but very close. It's getting there. <laughs> you, you're working down. Work down the list. That's all I had to add to that. Good okay. Good that you know that. You are not if you are not a Blue Jays podcaster if you do not know the beast that could have been Eric Hinsky. Yeah. Um, and then one more injury before we start talking about the games that we saw this weekend against Baltimore. Um, Jordan Romano, we haven't got to touch on it yet, has officially been onto the IL with his lower back tightness. That's when we saw Jordan Hicks get the call here. Um, in the game tonight, uh, we saw Eric Swanson get the save. It was a four to one lead. He did give up a hit, but then picked him off to work a clean ninth inning there. Um, what are the Blue Jays going to do in the closers role in the meantime without Jordan Romano? And how concerned are you about his injury? Well, let me start with this. I guess we'll talk about, you know, the concern of our injury, man, like your closer. Is your staple guy. You look at what's important on this ball club. Yes, it's important to have good starting pitching, but if it's a one run ball game in the ninth inning, you want your best guy on the bump. That's why he's called the closer. That's why there's a saves category to show that, hey, we're only up by one, two, or three runs. We're sending our best guy in, and you get that. You get that save. It's a reward. You get it on your stats. You see the yeah. reliever of the year usually has some saves attached and that's how they it. get paid. And that's how you get paid. Saves yeah. get you a ton of money if you're a closer. So, I mean, for Jordan Romano and what he means to this Blue Jays team, I mean, you look at they love him in Toronto. He has a crazy walk up in the ninth inning. I mean, his presence is just it's you can't miss it. He's he's just a hard guy not to like. And what he's done this year. Yes, he has not been perfect. And as of late, Jesse, he has definitely, you know, been slightly average. If anything, you know, he's blown some games here and there. But we know how good Jordan Romano can be. So if he is taking some time to recover, this leaves you with a few options. For me, as much as I talk up Eric Swanson, I still want him in that eighth inning role. Okay. I, I, I kind of in my head too. And even if Swanson does close out games, it kind of bumps Garcia to that setup spot. But Jesse... I want to try something different. What I want to see, what I want to see, and I know this is crazy, 
right off the bat because Hicks did not do well, but I want to see Hicks at least attempt to close games here in the near future. I think that's going to set a tone for us. Um, like I could be very much alone on this, but I am riding high on what Jordan Hicks can do. And I think he's going to be a great impact piece. And I think, I think he's, you know, maybe not earned it, but I think eventually like right off the bat, I think he will earn it. So it's either between one of those three guys, but I still want to push Hicks. I mean, we got him for a reason. He's a high leverage guy. I mean, he's pitched more innings than Swanson has. Garcia's uh, been around. In his career, yeah. Uh, in his, sorry, yes. In his career, yeah. he's pitched more innings. Garcia's been around having, you know, the longest career out of any of those, like, the, between the two. But again, never really has been a, you know, surefire setup man closer. He's still pitched in clutch situations and has holds and saves. But for me, I really want to put my money with Jordan Hicks. Mm -hmm. And I, I, let's see if, if the Jays decide to do that. I don't really know what they're going to roll with. It could be a, a mix of guys. We could see, we could see, you know, let's say five saves and it's split up two, two and one between those three guys. I don't know yet. And, and I mean, it's not, that's not a bad idea either. Get different guys throwing and improving them all and getting them all in those clutch situations. Yeah, that's likely what the Blue Jays are going to do. It'll be a mix and match, play matchups, who's rested, yada, yada. But if you're doing a vote on pure stuff and the guy who could have the best stuff to match Jordan Romano, it's Jordan Hicks. And I don't even think it's close. My guess would be that I think the Jays might actually go with Jimmy Garcia. He's been hot lately, and they're going to go with him a little bit more. But either way, the Jays do need Jordan Romano back and healthy because when healthy, he is still really good, even though he has been a little bit homer prone lately. Uh, Riley, you mentioned a little bit. Let's get into the series that is against Baltimore. We are recording this episode before before the series finale on Thursday. So we're only three out of the four games in. And surprise, surprise, the Blue Jays can't win against our division. We lose game one. We lose game two. We were able to get a win here on the back of Yusei Kikuchi today, which was very good. But in this series, before we dive deep into some of the more specifics, I want to talk about the new guys we saw here. Um, Genesis Cabrera, we've already seen for about a week or so. We've talked about him quite a bit. Jordan Hicks made his first time in Blue Jays jersey. And then Paul DeYoung went over three today um, in his Blue Jays debut. It is his birthday, too. So happy birthday, uh, Paul DeYoung. But Jordan Hicks and Paul DeYoung, what, did you have a thought on their Blue Jays debut? Yeah, well, Hicks wasn't very good, but the ball game was all out of sorts, right? Like, that's... It's it, it is what it is. I, I think that's the game's out and his heart probably wasn't in it. Yeah, Paul DeYoung. Yeah. yeah. Paul DeYoung, you know, if you go you go over in your day debut, I mean it's not bad. Our team ended up picking up the W. And I mean, I <laughs> we could see a lot of Ofer. I really it's a lot of swing and miss. He's uh, like he's a hybrid shortstop. I don't think he has the speed, but a power like kind of a power defensive guy. You don't see a ton of them, um, but, you know, DeYoung would be one of those guys. So pop at the bottom of the order would be cool, um, especially being slotted in between Varsho and Kiermaier, who, in fact, there's lefty, righty, lefty right there. And they've both teed off this year. So I do like that split of the um, the batting order that we were going with for game three of this series, where we yep. saw Paul DeYoung in the eighth spot. I think that's, I like that too. I think, that's his spot. I, th I, I think it's good with the lefty, righty, lefty. I, I, I like how that looks, um, but not a ton, Jesse, not, you know, still very fresh, not a ton of thoughts yet. 
Um, and I'm sure they're happy to be playing for a winning ball club right now. So let's hope that lights a fire under them, inspires guys like that. And they are like impact pieces. That's why we traded them. We want them to produce for this club to greater our chances for where we are seated in the postseason. Right. And 25 minutes into this episode, we are finally getting to the return of Hunjin Ryu, whose last start was in June of 2022. It's been 400 plus days since Hunjin Ryu came back, but he officially is back. Riley, here is the line. He went five plus innings pitch, nine hits, four earned runs, one home run, one walk, three strikeouts. Gave up a lot of hard contact early in the first inning, but then I thought did settle down a bit before giving up a couple home runs or one home run at least later in that game, Riley. Um, hey, you know, the fastball seemed fine. It was around 90. It's To me, it looked like a lot like old Hunjin Ryu. Even though the results weren't good, I will say I forgot how much I enjoyed watching Hunjin Ryu pitch because he's just so quick on the mound. He's easy. He's free. It's actually a fun to watch, like aesthetically pleasing. Just, you know, I don't think this stuff's what it used to be, and I don't think we're getting high-end Hunjin Ryu anymore, but it's good to see him back. Did you have a takeaway on Hunjin Ryu's first start back this season? I, I didn't think it was great, in all honesty. I don't think a yeah. lot of people thought it was great. Um, listen, uh, he got, as soon as that first inning happened, and it was like double, double, like hard contact right off the bat, I thought, and I, and I in my head, I knew this was going to happen because the guy doesn't, he, like, he locates his pitches well. Right. I love he has got great control. He has, you know, hardly any velocity like Jesse. I mean, guys like it's it's science. Yes. Sometimes like you're going to get weak contact theoretically with, you know, the lower velocity. But there's the odd time where guys are just going to sear pitches so well and just square you right up. And that's what happened right off the bat. Like there was no it wasn't a very deceiving start. Um, I'm aware that, yes, he did get three punch outs, which, hey, kudos to you, man. You you sat on the sidelines and, you know, for 400 plus days. It's not the worst return we've ever seen. No. I'll flat out say that it's certainly not the worst return you've ever seen. But in in later, you know, game two of a very important series and we go with Hunjin Ryu on the bump and, you know, things kind of did not look well for us kind of right then and there we did even the score you know pretty quickly after that we brought we we brought in some runs i can't remember who hit the home run uh whether that was jansen i think it was jansen's jansen shot that, br yeah. that brought us in and drew us closer but still like i i gotta see more out of hunjin ryu before i really draw my conclusion um like will it get better or is this the best version of him we were gonna see because at the end of the day he he really wasn't that bad, but with him recovering from the injury and being away from ball in the age that he is, like, is this the best version of him we're going to get? I certainly hope not, but I have a funny feeling that we're not going to see a vast amount of improvements in his archetype of pitcher against a team like the Orioles who are young and you know scrappy and put bat on ball like they do i mean that's it's just kind of a recipe for disaster it wasn't it certainly wasn't a disaster it was it was not a pretty game at all for his first start in over 400 days you know it's it's right in the middle of what i expected in all honesty yeah, he was bad before his injury. He was bad his first time back to the injury. I don't know what people are expecting from Hunjin Ryu. I think he'll probably play out the rest of this year, and then he will be gone to hit free agency, maybe sign a minor league deal 
somewhere. Riley, a few more notes from the rest of the players on this roster. Um, Danny Jansen is fantastic. We've talked about him like three episodes in a row now. He now has 15 home runs this season, Riley, and only 236 plate appearances. The only hitter in Major League Baseball who has more home runs in a shorter amount of plate appearances is Aaron Judge, and he just hit, what, 60-some home runs last year? Danny Jansen is literally second on that list. Get this guy playing more. I know he's going to go 0 for 5 sometimes with some pop-ups and some soft contact. He is truly, I think, your best power hitter. I think over his last 162 games, Riley, 36 home runs for Danny Jansen. Like, what are we doing anymore, man? Like, get Danny Jansen in this lineup every day. So... I think I'm sure you're with me on that. Yeah, buddy. Drink that Kool-Aid right mm-hmm. up. What have I been preaching and screaming, dude, over the last little while? Man, you have to have Danny Jansen hit. When they're when like when we just get Brandon Belt finally have this sloppy opposite field home run and we got Vladdy not hitting a ton of homers this year. And we got George over his last 842 plate appearances. Yep. Yep. Like we need <laughs> the power of Danny Jansen. And like, listen, I know Kirk has had some good games in the last little while, but Hey man, like there is no comparing the two as far as the run production, like Danny Jansen, just it's kind of a you got to be there thing. And yes, Jesse, you want to compare good hitters in baseball. I mean, yeah, the stats say he's the second best behind judge. I mean, you can debate that and whatever else by the numbers. Yes. But man, get him in and he will produce. I am so perturbed that he was hurt and he did just sat on the sidelines healthy, you know, for whenever he did like this, this guy is a true talent. He has really made himself a complete catcher. Like honestly, one of the, he is one of the most underrated. I said this last time He is one of the most underrated players in all of major league baseball. And it's crazy. He hits another home run. I think that's either tied or extends his career. Like he's having a career year. And he's not even playing the full season. Like, I don't know what his career high in games played is. I don't know if he'll exceed that. But it's it's absolutely crazy that, that you know, we're not looking at Danny Jansen and, you know, either signing him to an extension or putting him fourth or fifth in this lineup and playing him every day because he's absolutely fantastic. And, I mean, if, if you're sitting there listening or sh- looking at us and shaking your head at me saying him in the cleanup spot, like, look it up. Danny Jansen has been phenomenal, and he has mm-hmm. more than deserved that spot in the lineup, especially with the absence, the non-existing power from basically everybody else we don't have a single guy on this team that has hit 20 home runs jesse which is insane absolutely which insane. is insane with this lineup that we have we should have uh, we should have you know the fact that bo doesn't have 20 home runs i'm okay with that vladdy unacceptable chapman unacceptable belt yeah whatever that's i, I don't really care about that number and then we got danny freaking jansen who has done more than his fair share of producing power this year. Get this guy in the lineup and put him in a spot that matters to drive in big runs because we know how clutch he is too. He hey, he brought us he drew us in closer in 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 the ball game um and then you know it got out of hand whatever. Like Danny Jansen's phenomenal. 
Yeah. And like, not only did the Jays not have a 20 home run hitter, um, we only have six guys with double digits and that's just tough. I think Roger Center with the renovations has actually played more of like a pitcher's park, but maybe that's just because our pitchers have been good and our hitters have been bad. That's more of an off season conversation. We'll get to it there. One more note before we call our episode here today, Riley is George Springer. You mentioned it. Who was Oh, for his last 35 Riley, which ties a blue Jays franchise record for hitless streaks, um, which ties with Danny Jansen, who he did, I think in 2019, he had a stretch that bad. And then Ed Sprague who did it um, in the late nineties. He had a stretch where he was over 35 or whenever he was here. Um, he then in game three tonight though, he got a single. It was soft contact. It was blooped. The center fielder looked like he could have got there, but it dropped. George Springer celebrated on his way up the base. So uh, time to ride for George Springer, or uh, is this a sign of decline from George Springer? No, not. I mean, he's been having two pretty, he's been having a pretty good year. You're bound to have these stretches. Um, but I don't like, Hey, I don't think the the heavy decline is there yet. It'll be it'll be there eventually for George Springer. But um, I'm not saying he's gonna go. I'm not saying he's gonna go six for his next eleven at bats by any means. But um, I I mean, laws of averages, Jesse. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna at least you know for the rest. Let's let's take this one game game we got tomorrow against the Orioles to close the series and three games against Boston. You know, let's say you know I I would be content with him collecting three hits over those four games um, because you want to see that bumped up just a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. Like these things always even themselves out just like seven days ago, he did have a 734 OPS and you'll take that as just going really cold. Makes those numbers plummet just a little bit. Um, Riley, I don't have anything else to add here. Yusei Kikuchi's awesome. He has a 290 ERA over his last 11 starts. And the Jays did just sign Rowan Wick, who if you are a Canadian, you will know him well. He pitched for Canada in the World Baseball Classic, or was going to. Sorry, but then he dropped out. Career 383 ERA with the Cubs. He's reported to Buffalo. We'll join the rotation there, but just a name to remember because he has had success in the major leagues and could find his way up here at some point if there are more injuries. Um, Riley, is there anything you want to add before we call an episode here today? Nah, relief pitchers are, are funny. Uh, you can do really well and then find yourself kind of jobless. Uh, it's, it's weird how that works. But sadly, Jesse, if you want to talk about relief pitchers, we got a, uh, a pretty good problem right now. But we yes, we, we, we are without Romano for now. But I mean, just remember, we are deeper than we think in our bullpen. I truly believe that adding the second left-hander, adding a flamethrower and the guys that we have as well. Remember Trevor, Trevor Richards still has one of the best pitches in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. Garcia has been good at times. And, and even Swanson, as much as he has kind of struggled as of late, I still have faith that this bullpen can pull it together with the, even under the absence of Romano. Yeah. And Nate Pearson too is down in the minor leagues right now. He's been struggled a bit lately, but he still has some of the best stuff in this bullpen. And right now he's not even one of the seven guys in the pen. So we will see Riley. We need some good luck from our Toronto blue Jays coming up a little forward. So please, we need a big win to get the split against Baltimore. And then we have more ALEs matchups coming up and some more, uh, 
of games coming up here further that the Blue Jays need to win if they want to cement themselves into the playoff spot as the battle for those wildcard spots only get tougher with the teams around them getting better at the trade deadline. So we will see. Um, Guys, remember, that'll do it for episode here today. Please like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. Leave a comment down below. How would you grade, say, the Blue Jays trade deadline? Did we do enough? What is coming next? Should we bring up one of these guys in this minor leagues? Let us know down below in the bottom of the episode there or follow us on Twitter and any social media and interact with us on there as well. Um, Riley, anything else to add or we're going to take the weekend and uh, come back again next week. Let's digest uh, tomorrow's game. Hopefully has a good outcome. And then um, we'll rendezvous uh, after the Bow Sox series and hope that we can finally be successful against a divisional rival. That's what we we need, man. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, let's go Blue Jays. Thanks, guys.